Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals so I'll just saying that you, you may have to work on your coolness because, you know, I'm showing up with a hoodie and you look like you're about to shoot an Abercrombie and Fitch commercial. I mean, so. well, I have to dress up, you know, because, you know, my natural coolness can't cut it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I was just having this conversation with somebody um, the other day that uh, the, the, the idea of, creating a false persona of yourself via your exterior versus your inner self coming out via your exterior, you know, how much care you put into your exterior self. Um, but we were talking about it in, you, kind of in the sense of being an actor and that you're creating a persona mm. and whether that persona is a false persona that you're creating for the benefit of others or whether that is a true persona that you've created because that is your vision of yourself. I mean, those are those are different things. Yes. And those aren't the only two options. And there's a huge spectrum of of that. I, I you think know. you're all over the spectrum when it comes to this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really do. <laughs> I accept that. And I'm willing. <laughs> we were laughing about it because um I made the claim that I live the theatrically. You know, and they're like, oh, yes, you do. You know, just yes. like whole life is theater. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think is, once again, I don't think that's living falsely. I think that is, um, uh, it's just a way of interpreting life. I mean, you know, Shakespeare famously said, you know, all, all the world's a stage and all of us are but players. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he says, you know, we each have our exits and entrances and, and things like that. And um, and that's true to, to, to life. That's true to anything. We we enter and exit other people's lives. Uh, we enter and exit this world in general. Uh, and this time that we're here, the time that we have upon, upon the stage, you know, we can choose to be a background player with few or no lines, or we can choose to be center stage give me the spotlight give me all the lines you know give me <laughs> give me the drama <laughs> speaking of i don't think i told you this uh your dream has come true i'm directing a play no yeah um this did not come about because uh, this was not my thing uh, another actress here in town, a very accomplished and very uh, amazing actress. Uh, Shannon and I have made friends with this person, and her name is Elizabeth. That's why I don't have to keep referring to her as this person. Okay. Uh, but Elizabeth uh, was speaking, speaking to Shannon. She said, you know, I've always wanted to do this play. It's called Night Mother. It's this Pulitzer winning play from like 1984. It's super heavy. It's, 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 it's gut wrenching. It's, it's a real, <laughs> it's one of those plays that, you know, you, you put a big M on it, you know, don't bring the kids. Ah, 
not because there's anything inappropriate, but the subject matter is suicide. Mm. So, um, anyway, there's only two parts. There is uh, an elderly mother and her adult daughter. And Elizabeth asked Shannon, would you consider doing this play with me and, and being the daughter and I'll be the mother. And Shannon was like, Oh, we should do it. And she, and then Shannon said, you know, we should get Eli to direct it. <laughs> and I was, so Shannon came back to me with this and I said, I paused. <laughs> and I said, um, I asked her, can we live in the same house if I'm directing you? <laughs> and can all the people involved in this, do they understand what this means? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So what's interesting about it, we've had one read through the show is going on at the end of April and we don't really start rehearsing in earnest for, um, another two weeks or so. Yeah. And, um, but what we did is we, I, I said, you know, because it was so funny because I told you this in a previous episode we did. I said, there are certain aspects of being a director that I think I'd be really good at. And there's other aspects of it. <laughs> Scheduling, you know, uh, just all the practical stuff <laughs> that I think I'd be terrible at. Well, we, we happen to know somebody who has assisted, been an assistant director on several productions here in town that are, are really good and we know this person and she's um hugely capable uh so we said well let's bring her in as an assistant director well and then she and i start talking um and her name is bryn so bryn and i start talking and we're we're shooting ideas around and i said you know bryn let's just call ourselves co-directors because you're going to contribute so much to this. And I want you, you know, and Bryn was asking, she was really asking to kind of, kind of define her role a little bit. And she's like, you know, am I going to be stepping on toes? Am I going to be doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Bryn, I want everything. So just, let's just, so I'm co-directing a play is what I should say. Okay. Okay. Bryn is an A personality. Shannon's an A personality. They are like in front of everything, you know, and here's me. And I'm a very ponderous personality. <laughs> so at our first read through, I'm just listening. You know, we finished the read through and we're starting to have the discussion about it. And I'm just listening. I just want to hear what everybody has to say. And Shannon was worried that people would think that I'm, I'm just not engaged. I'm just, very <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, I, I, I think when people are, are in a position like being a director or something like that, they can't wait to hear their own voice say their vision. But if I'm going to pat myself on the back about anything, I can say, I don't really have that kind of ego. And I really want to hear what other people have to say before I start, you know, putting, you know, just, and, and then I'll then I'll begin my whole manipulation of the situation. Oh yeah, I mean, just subtle. Just have subtle. to listen to this podcast episode every two weeks. They'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know how Simon's <laughs> going to be? Just check out the movie reviews. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna rip it apart. <laughs> 
I envision you just sitting there and you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, like I say, there's there's Elizabeth and Shannon, and both of them are very capable. And um, already in that first reading, you know, Elizabeth is just bringing it. You know, she's, you know, when I participate in a first reading, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, trying things out, you know, whatever, but she's just full on weeping, <laughs> you know, wow. really bringing the, the emotion. As so those are the kind of actors I'm working with. And then my co-director Bryn is just one of the most capable people you'd ever meet. And so there's not a lot of room for me to be overly critical, unfortunately, much to your dismay, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure this is bothering you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, oh, crap, man. Who am I going to tear down? <laughs> right. This is the normal Simon thing. <laughs> yeah. And the script is so good. You know, I wouldn't have agreed to do it if it was if it was trash, you know, if it was just yeah. like, oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. And Shannon wouldn't have wanted to do it either if it was. Yeah. And I actually did a couple of things. So there's a movie that was made of it back in the 80s. And certain people who are involved, including the the owner and producer of the, at the Playhouse that we're putting it on. Which is a cool place. It's actually um, a movie studio but they have a, a live stage where they have concerts and, and put on shows. So um, anyway, you know, so people wanted to maybe sit and do like a viewing of the film. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. This is such a Simon thing. No, I'm not. Doing yeah. That. <laughs> no. I just said, I just said, I don't want my ideas cluttered with their ideas. And I don't want to be sitting around comparing what we're doing to what they did. I've never seen this show. I had never read the script. In fact, um, I held off on reading the script until our first reading. <laughs> I wanted to just hear them say the lines. Yeah, There's a huge difference, you know, I mean, Re, you know, reading something like, like take Shakespeare, for exa example, reading Shakespeare is a very different experience from hearing Shakespeare and watching Shakespeare and having a an amazing actor interpret Shakespeare for you uh, or to you. Um, all of those things are valid, both reading and 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 watching and listening. But uh but I wanted to see the our two actors deliver the lines, and I so I I just didn't want to go into it with a lot of because this wasn't my idea, right? I was kind of you know, so if, if I had come and said, oh, I want to do a play and I want to direct this play, of course, I would have been all over that you know script and I would have it memorized before the actors did. <laughs> but um. But since this was something that they kind of asked me to do, I was like, well, I don't I don't want to come in with all these preconceived ideas so that when the actors say their lines, I'm like, that's not how I imagined it. You know what I mean? So I wanted the actors to present the lines to me. Now I'm just imagining them doing it. I'm not imagining anybody else doing it. I'm not imagining any other way that it's been said. And we can kind of go from there. Anyway. 
I just thought that would be a, a fun way for me to approach it. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a you thing to approach it. <laughs> it's like Hollywood producers, you understand this is a masterclass Simon is putting on. He cannot be diluted in how he goes about his directorial <laughs> methodology. Oh man. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, Shannon was kind of worried that, you know, um, other people would think I'm just not. So, so I actually had to give Bryn a list just recently. I was like, hey, okay, here's stuff I'm working on just because I'm very quiet about things. You know, I'm not, I'm not somebody who gives, you know, I'm not posting updates about my movements all the time. You know, I'm just quietly going about my thing. And, uh, you know, well, sometimes when you're working with a team, that's not the best way to go. <laughs> it's not ideal. <laughs> So, you know, I just gave her a little list of things I'm working on. And um, and sometimes when I say working on, so so Bryn, Bryn's personality, when she says she's working on it, that means she's got, you know, a computer or a pad and paper in front of her and she's physically working on it. When I say I'm working on it, oftentimes what I mean is I'm contemplating it. <laughs> I'm pondering it in my mind. And once I kind of have some idea of what I really want for whatever I'm working on, let's say it's a piece of music. Once I kind of really have an idea, I've kind of wrapped my brain around what I want to actually accomplish. Then I go in and I just gung ho and start knocking it out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like that, too. <laughs> yeah. These people better be ready. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I hope they're ready just to, um, just to have really deep conversations about the play. Yeah. And not to have me overly, um, to, to over direct them. And if anything, I want to under direct them and over discuss the play. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. No, it does make sense. It actually makes me think about the things I've been thinking about. You always have these thoughts in between these two weeks that we have these episodes. You know, I'm having all these conversations and, uh, you know, today we're going to talk about aliens. Uh, but I kind of thought in my mind, like, this is kind of a gods and aliens conversation that we're mm -hmm. going to kind of move into because I listened to a few podcasts about the, the potential existence of life and uh, other places besides Earth. And then I thought of this movie and I thought, this Simon's like the best person to talk to this about. <laughs> well, you, you released something this morning about I God. I, haven't, I, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it oh, this morning. Oh, man. Simon, this is your series. It yeah. is called For the Lust of God. And uh, I came up with that title. Pretty pumped oh, about interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. And I like it's, it. Yeah. It's three women's firsthand accounts of being born into, growing up in, and escaping a sex cult, the children of God. Wow. Wow. It took me wow. a year to work on the whole thing. It's a year long project of gathering the interviews, creating music, mm. intros, just everything, like just really making it sound amazing and making it in, you know, grabbing clips from things. Um, and I even put on it like, hey, this is like, this could be very triggering because some of the explanations of growing up, the commentary are pretty, they're, they're difficult to hear. 
see what you're moving into now is journalism right seriously you know um there's a huge difference between having a conversation with somebody on a podcast yeah. and doing real journalism right what, what what it sounds like you're doing is journalism and and to me that's very impressive Thank you. I, I like to think that these conversations inspire me. Like I'm trying to shop this other series. Uh, it's called Me Versus Me. And it's a one-off, just one episode of people's external um, way they feel about themselves. Let's say this, let's bring it to this play that you're doing, you know, directing. Mm -hmm. Like, man, you feel confident. You're going to go in there, do your Simon thing. But then the back, the inner monologue of like, will I actually be good at this? Like the doubts that you have that you don't share with other people, the me versus me. Yeah. And just telling stories, having people tell their stories of how confident they are, but how painfully um, not confident they are at the same time as for that. That's really interesting. I, I just recently touched on this subject when uh, I did a, a photo shoot for a United Way event and so I was, I was the event photographer. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I'm doing, I don't know how many edits, at least a hundred edits and giving it back to them. And, and as I'm going through that process, uh, well, Shannon, people really liked them, you know, people were sharing them all over Facebook and stuff. I, I know that cause I kept getting tagged in things, yeah. you know, and, and people yeah. just like, Oh, who, who shot this? These are great. Blah, blah, blah. And I was very happy about that. But uh, when I when I handed the photos into them, I, I went to the United Way office here locally, and and uh, they're wonderful people. And they asked me if I would sit with them in the conference room while they walk while they just go through them yeah. on this big screen. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. In that moment, I'm very confident in my abilities. But you can be the best photographer in the world and still not capture what the client envisioned. Yeah. So so those moments when you're sitting there live with them, you're just like, oh man, are they gonna are they gonna like this? Are they gonna yeah. did I did I capture what they really wanted out of this? You know. Luckily, it all went great, but I was talking about it to Shannon later and I told, you know, and she was laughing about that. She's like, why would you have any doubts? You know, your photos are always top notch, you know, and people always think they're just amazing, you know, and I'm like very complimentary and that's great. But I was telling her, it's like, even in the process of editing photos, I'm on this roller coaster ride of, of, you know, I, I get to one photo. I'm like, this is, um, I'm so good. You know, yeah. I'm so, I'm so I'm so amazing. Right. And then I click to the next photo. I'm like, I'm the worst photographer ever. <laughs> right. I'm 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 nothing. Nobody should hire me. Nobody should pay me. <laughs> I should give the money back. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the this this kind of duality of thoughts that we spend so much time pumping up all the things we're doing that's really good on, especially on social media. I mean, it's like people are, hey, this is where I went. This is what I did. This is what job I got. We often don't put any thought or merit into like people saying like, I don't really know if I'm that good at this thing I'm doing. Actually, I, I kind of question myself. You know, it's like I like I want people to hear that inner dialogue and not just the the outer dialogue about it. The me versus me element. We do that with everything. You know? 
saying that this is popular is probably not a good way to put it. But what I've one thing I've noticed on my very limited time on social media mm-hmm. is there have been a few people at least, and this is anecdotal, so I don't know how popular it is, but it seems to be popular at least within whatever pops up first on my social media is people sharing grief. Mm. I found that really interesting. Yeah. People sharing their grief process, actually taking selfies of them crying. Yeah. Of themselves. Yeah. You know, and I just thought, well, that I have mixed feelings about it. Simon, let me stop you there. I have very mixed feelings about it. <laughs> and I just sounds this is gonna sound unpopular. I don't know whether it's authentic or not. That's my problem with. I'm not sure if it's like a thirst trap or if it's real authenticity. And I don't know how can I even judge that on one sense. Yeah. Because it's it's how they they may say, How dare you say that? Because this is me doing it. But the internet's a funny place, man. You know, it's a <laughs> it does funny things to your mind. Yes. So I would never question that the feelings that they have, that they are sharing, are real. I would never doubt that whatsoever. But the motivation behind sharing them, isn't that what we're maybe Yeah, that's, the, that's really the crux of it is, what is the reason to share this? Is it for attention? Or is it the lesson behind the grief? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know either. And... Here's what maybe something interesting. What would happen? Would we, would we have mixed emotions if they wrote a book about their process mm. rather mm. than taking a selfie? I'd probably think differently about it. I I know I would think differently about it. Yeah. So maybe that speaks to the the social media kind of trivializes things. Mm. To, to people like us, maybe yeah. to other people, it doesn't maybe, maybe to other people talking about something on social media does not trivialize it, but for you and me, it kind of does. It does. Yeah. No, it just really does. I don't know. There's something about it. There's a wall for me yeah. with it. And I know when you said that, I was like, I feel like we're similar on this. There's just something off about it. It's like always starts out with the same one sentence space one sentence space one sentence seriously this is the like playbook of this yeah yeah and you know we had a bad time one sentence but you know this creates resilience one sentence space anybody listen to this you know what i'm talking about and that does it's just i'm like this seems like premeditated you know (laughs) it's like it does and it feels like they saw that somebody else do the same thing so they're copying pasting that formula which once again feels like it has trivialized yes. the experience they're sharing to one extent or another. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just estranged me, but I, I think that I'm liking, I like telling stories from not being part of the story, like audio wise, like I'm not actually doing like you know, directing and like I'm directing the people we're, we're doing the com. Hey, I'm going to keep this in. Hey, what about this? I'm asking questions. And then the final product becomes this very, this is like my best work ever for sure. Like this for lust of God. I think it's literally the, one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Hands down. Like I I can't wait to listen to it. I guess your thing. It has a theatrical Simon feel to it. It's like, 
actually, when I listened to it back the other day, I was like, this kind of feels like Simon's podcast <laughs> on some level. And I started doing this well uh, before then, you know, but it, oh, it kind yeah. of feels like that with uh, people telling their stories. And it just made me start thinking about just like, you know, our place in the universe and the stories we tell. And what really what I was trying to say is like, I was listening to this podcast about a person talking about this scientist talking about the statistical probability of life on other planets, like intelligent mm. life. Yeah. And then this other podcaster saying that he had never given thought that we may be alone. Like he had never postulated this ever. He never mm. gave it any thought. He said it has always been an impossibility in his mind. But the other scientist said, I think if you're going to look at it objectively, you have to think about both of these things, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, in a universe of endless possibility, everything can and does happen. That's something that, that I postulated in one of my podcast episodes that if you have an infinite universe of things happening, therefore an infinite number of things can happen, that means inf an infinite number of things do happen. Mm. So to your point, in this infinite number of possibilities, one of those possibilities is that we are completely alone as far as intelligent life goes in the entire universe, known and unknown. Right. And then there's that other possibility that there are higher life forms, lower life forms, all kinds of intelligent life forms out there that, you know, we, we have not discovered yet. <laughs> and may never discover and That's may never a possibility discover. too it's like and you think about the movie aliens while it's a movie the possibility could be that there is a planet like that and there are aliens who are acidy spit yeah. and have evolved in a different way i guess it could be a possibility i don't know but it could be a possibility that planet lv whatever it's i can't remember the actual name does not exist for that and i think sometimes i think that's like the fantasy sometimes people want to be right so much they look at the drake equation they go oh, there must be uh billions of intelligent civilizations out there like you want that to be so true that you will not allow yourself to believe that the other thing could be true also yeah i mean even taking that from a you know a religious perspective because you know so <laughs> One of the number one problems I have with religiosity is not considering that there couldn't be a God that, right. you know, <laughs> is talking to a religious person and postulating that, you know, well, there might not be one. Right. And having them be like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> how dare you, dare. sir? Have we spoken since I actually said that in front of a group of Christians? No, no. Okay, so roughly two weeks ago. It was on a Thursday, so it must have been the, the, the next day after our last right. recording. Um, I'm in a wonderful meeting, and it's put on by the head of the um, local Methodist congregation here. And he he puts on a once monthly thing. It's open to anybody. It's actually put on at a brewery. Brewery. That's a tough word for <laughs> some reason. 
but um and he puts it on there so that anybody can feel like you know this is a space where you can come and and, and it is called crafted conversations and yeah. so he brings up a topic and he and i might have told you about it before but anyway the conversation this this past time was about loss and we're the a question that he posed to the whole group is what is what is something that you have lost but you gave up intentionally and that led to opportunities in your life for growth and um you know there's some good answers there's some very thought thoughtful people there but my point is that at least 90 percent of them are believers and true believers you know and i'm listening to people and and, I, and at first i'm kind of like hmm, i shouldn't say what i'm gonna say this is such a sign of <laughs> but then i thought i'm saying it and i so i i make my comment my comment was basically this that i decided to start living my life as if there is no god there was audible gasps in the room and Shannon and I were laughing about it later. Like people in that room could not believe that somebody would actually do that. But I said, here's, here's, here's the caveat though, is that by doing that, by doing what we talked about actually the day before, and that must've been inspired. Some of the things I said, mm. You know, I said, by putting humanity before divinity, I've now come around to actually living the teachings of Jesus. Much better than I was before. When I was putting divinity before humanity, when I was more worried about pleasing God than loving my neighbor. Yeah. And there were some very thoughtful people in that room that actually gave gave you know one guy behind me he was just like oh wow yeah <laughs> you like blew his mind it was like <laughs> yeah it was like mm, okay okay and there was a wonderful guy who had a, an extended conversation with me after the meeting it was a a doctor a very intelligent guy and and um he expressed to me that he was kind of like in a similar space yeah and so he asked me, so have you decided that there just is no God? You know, and, and I told him, well, that would kind of, you know, ruin the experiment, I think. Yeah, I think make, so, yeah. To make a final decision and say, there absolutely is no God. Once again, in an infinite universe, I have to leave the possibility open that there is a God, that there is, that that Jesus is my savior and things like that. And then on the other hand, I don't have to make that the focal point of my life day after day. I can actually make the people who are here with me the focal point of my life. And in doing so, actually, actually be a better Christian. Yeah. By being an atheist, I can be a better Christian. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, I mean, this is wild stuff, man. We always come to wild stuff, you know that. <laughs> it's like I, I'm sure you know. It's just like I I would told I told Michelle, my wife, right after we had it. I said this was a pretty special conversation about looking at humanity and divinity. I in this you know, for those of you who didn't listen last time, I would highly encourage you to go back because this is a connection episode. It feels like they connect together for that. Yeah. And I don't think she had thought about it that way either. And she like gave me, you know, that look someone gives you when they're just like, it infects their brain and they had yeah. never thought about it. And it just like their face contorts are like, <laughs> it never came across before. <laughs> you know, a lot of thoughts are the same. You're like, okay, I got it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. When it's not the same, it like does something to you, it hits you weirdly in your mind. And there's this weird pause you get. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, obviously, um, I love my relationship and my faith in God, but I think that turning it this way will make, makes me a better person in it. It makes me, a be makes me appreciate divinity better when I focus on it from this point of view, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it's, I love how you described that because I think that is the natural reaction our brain has when, when maybe maybe too many synapses are firing at the same time. Yeah. Is, is some, something like that, you know, yeah. just like, we have been confronted with something that may, it, I, I think those are the moments, what I'm trying to say is those are the moments in my life. I think when I've come across something that is true, but I didn't want it to be in the moment. Mm. and i had to wrestle with it and come back to it later and be like mm, okay all right i have to and i mean gosh on a spiritual journey how many times have i run into that in my life where i'm just like oh gosh all the stuff that i grew up thinking and believing i you know i have to just shrug off because I've been confronted with better ideas. Yeah. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. Yeah. It's all there is to it. And when I'm confronted with better ideas, no matter how uncomfortable they are, I can't go back to the old ones. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. And I think that's the, the funniest part about that, I think is if you actually understand the teaching of Jesus I think that's how he wanted it. <laughs> I'm like, we just cocked it up, man. <laughs> Humans like played phone tag and they just started making it a weird situation. They told the 25th person and it was nothing like the beginning version of it. That's what it feels like, you know? Well, I mean, when we understand that Christianity was literally invented and it was invented not by a group of people who agreed, but it was invented by a very diverse um, people who all believed in Jesus, but that was kind of the only thing they had in common. And, yeah. and in so many other ways, they believed so differently about all the other things, about who Jesus actually was, is, and so on and so forth. And it was only because of Constantine, really, 
that we have the version of Christianity that we have today. It was only because of a guy who really didn't care about Jesus. Yeah. But used Jesus for political gain. I mean, that, I don't know if that's irony. It might not be. But that situation, let's just say, should haunt Christians everywhere. Yeah. Oh, the version of Christianity that we are comfortable with today, the image of Jesus that we're comfortable, by and large, we're comfortable with today in the mainstream, is just a product of, you know, political power. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I don't want to say that in a way that um, it completely dilutes uh, the message of Christianity and things like that, because I think the messaging mostly survived, even if we're ignoring it. But it's there. It's there. It's there in the New Testament. Whether the Gospels agree with each other or not on many in many regards, some of the most basic messages, some of which were added later, some of which are not original to the Gospels themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love sharing this one because I think it's, to me, it's the most important story uh, about Jesus. And it's uh, the one where the the woman's taken in adultery. Yes. Have, have we talked about this? A little bit. We talked a little bit about it, yeah. And and Jesus is writing in the dirt while the people are saying, mm -hmm. should we stone her or not? And, and, um, and Jesus says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. We did talk about this. And Jesus yeah. is inviting himself because he's right. he's, he's saying, I, I'm I'm the one without sin, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then he says to the woman, you know, go that way. Uh, oh, he he, said, he asked, Where where have your con where are those who condemn you or whatever? She's like, they're gone. It's like neither do I condemn you. Yeah. Neither do I condemn you. That message is added later. It's not original to that gospel. And that should tell us everything we need to know about Christianity right there is that we're making this up as we go along. <laughs> but the fact that that story is most likely a complete fiction, but they felt the need to add it, it that is what's important. It's not important that Jesus literally said and did these things. The message is what's important. And the message is, neither do I condemn you. Yep. And if Christianity could just wrap its head around that one message. <laughs> I know. It'd all, be, it'd all be roses, man. I mean, <laughs> most definitely. And I think there's, um, that's why I think I was really like thinking about it, where it's, oh, what we're going to talk about. It's like, I just get start popping in my mind, gods and aliens. It's, but you could basically be like science and uh, spirituality. I mean, the search for extraterrestrial yeah. life in many ways for people is a search to disprove another thing that this is just common. This is common. Like you and me, we're just common. Like this is common everywhere across the billions of galaxies and stuff. Almost this dogged pursuit to not just for curiosity of what's out there, but like to prove something else is completely foolish for that. That I don't like that pursuit. I just like, why can't all these, why can't there, be possibilities on both sides, you know, these things. And I never, like I was telling 
my wife the other day, I said, you know, what's interesting. And maybe you've seen this when you maybe watch videos where like an atheist argues with a Christian. Right. And it often mm -hmm. is like trying to like prove that God exists. That's a terrible argument to me to try to you can't prove that and you can't yeah. prove it the other way either. It's like. But the better story is, how does this actually make me feel as a person? How do I live my life? How do I um, live feeling this way versus is this true or not? I mean, we're both yeah. not going to get there, you know, like ultimately, you know. You know, uh, most and, and what most uh, at least those who follow the, you know, uh, Jewish Christian tradition. So we have the, we're working from the old new testaments. They're using those scriptures and those stories to try and prove that God exists. Well, it's like, but, but those stories were made up, man. You know, it's like, um, and, and and anybody who knows anything about ancient cultures, they know that history and mythology are the same thing to those cultures. It so, and we're talking about tribal gods. You know, we're we're not talking about. So I man, I just had this conversation the other night with somebody. It was just that. Um, so just I, you know, I I've always like to point that out because I, I like to point out that these conversations are happening everywhere. Yeah. You know, and, and people, people who are thinking, actually thinking profoundly, they're asking these questions. And then you and I have this opportunity to just sit here and flesh them out. Yeah. So what this other person and, and I were just kind of touching on was that, um, the, the idea and, and, and please don't anybody take this as an anti-Semitic rant because it's not at all. But the idea that the ancient Israelites and the Jew and the Jewish people are the chosen people and the light of the world that the, you know, Hebrew Bible claims them to be. But then most of the world's population throughout the history of the world has never heard of them. How can you be the light to the world? How can you be God's chosen people to set the example for the rest of the world if most of the rest of the world has never even heard of you or seen you or knows what you've done and knows what your relationship to God is? To me, that's just... If that's how God works, then he's terrible at his job. <laughs> he's absolutely <laughs> terrible at his job. And those are the things where when you just start looking at it in a very logical way, instead of with your own belief bias, well, I grew up believing this, or I had a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart, so I know it's true. Well, you know, I get warm, fuzzy feelings in my heart all the time, you know, and it doesn't mean they're true. It means I've been emotionally manipulated. If I'm watching a movie, I know what's happening in the movie is complete fiction, but I still get that feeling. So why can't we just apply that to our religiosity as well? It's like, this doesn't have to be true for me to get a warm feeling about it and for me to get something from the metaphor so that I can take that metaphor and apply it to my life 
without having to say, oh, this is definitely the only way anything could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think it's that's why I think this important is this this exchange of like hashing it out type of thing. And I, I <laughs> what's interesting is if you take like a very hard look at how we speak about this, it's probably confusing on some level for someone who is not open minded about it. They're like, these two people seem like they're just veering away from this hard. That's not true. <laughs> At least I can speak for myself. I actually think it's pulling me closer towards it. Just yeah. in, a, I'm just changing. Like the humanity divinity to me is a huge inflection point for me. I was like, oh, okay. This, this frees me from a very tight, very legalistic version of this where I can be, I can get different sources of information to reach a similar conclusion and not have be like, well, I have to do this. I have to go to this church every week to get the right version. Like it frees you from that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean you're not into it. It frees you from that version of it on some level. So here's, Here's spoilers for the podcast episode I'm currently working on. For the, It'll be the next one I release. Um, I'm talking about paradigm shifts. Mm. When we get locked into something, whether it be a philosophy, a religious, a religion, even a scientific truth, and we're just locked into it. Yeah. And it's like, this is the truth. It's the absolute truth. Nothing can veer us away from it then you will not be prepared for the paradigm shift. Yeah. I'm bringing it up into my episode to talk about masculinity and these straight men, young men who are normally our age or younger, you know, between like 18 and, and yours and my age. Yeah. And they're feeling disenfranchised. They're having less sex. Um, I, I read a, an amazing statistic and I can't remember the numbers, but it was talking about how many prisons have been built in California in the last 10 years versus how many universities. Mm. I think that's an amazing statistic to think about because there was only one university that was new university, but there was a bunch of prisons. Yeah. So what's happening to our young men. And when you're talking about education, education, young women are vastly superior. They're finishing their education at a much yeah. higher rate. They're getting better grades. So in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, my, initially my, my messaging to young men is to say, women don't need you. And that's why you feel disenfranchised because you're useless to them <laughs> in, a, in a practical way. Right. So the only thing that you can do that can be useful to them is become a person that they actually want around, even if they don't need you. Mm. But if you're still locked into the old paradigm where the patriarchy runs the house, where you need to earn more money than she does, where uh, you need to be the one who has the final say in a in a in a in a decision about you as a couple or as a family. If you're still locked into those types of paradigms, 
those women don't need you and they don't want you. Yeah. And that's why you're disenfranchised. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this one, man. It was a really good one. <laughs> so my point in just saying that is that, you know, just like I said, it's like, man, the moment you free yourself from those absolutes, now you can, you can shift with the paradigm as the paradigm changes. Yes. And that is such a good feeling. It is such a good feeling to be able to open a you know a book of scientific literature and learn something that I had no, no clue about prior to that and be able to just say that's amazing and that's awesome and I can just go with that. Yeah. And then maybe the following year have another piece of scientific literature that says actually that that old thought was wrong. Yeah. Because we've learned this since then and be able to say that's amazing. How cool that we have learned and we've moved on from the old thought to a better thought. Yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> but a lot of especially religious people want to use that to say science doesn't know what it's talking about <laughs> because it learned from from prior ideas that were incorrect. Yeah. yeah. Which is strange too, because uh if if you look back religion in science, there's a lot of connection there, actually, a yeah. huge amount of connection to religion and science and um, hypotheses about things. It's just we've just kind of lost in translation. Like I look at like there's a growing amount of evidence, growing indication among physicists that space and time are an illusion. That sounds crazy on its surface. Like mm. what? Space and time are an illusion? Yeah. That sounds very fringy. We're going down a weird hole. This, but these are like very serious science people who are like, you know, I mean, quantum entanglement is essentially saying that the universe is a oneness. There's a oneness and that everything that is occurring is actually like our idea of space and time is, is actually just kind of made up. It's an illusion and that everything is working together and everything and there's living and dying and and growth and all these strange currences, but everything is a oneness. Like they kept going back to this oneness. I'm like, sounds pretty spiritual to me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, it, I love that our, the best of our most recent science fiction is dealing with this type of thing, whether you're talking about, um, was it called intergalactic? No, that's the beastie Boys song. <laughs> I do What's, like the song. All right. <laughs> yeah. What's the one where, you know, the dad leaves his family? Oh, Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar uh, deals with this kind of idea uh, of, well, it takes time being a, a, a relative to gravity. Right. And, and that scientific, you know, truth. And then, and then goes to the event horizon and says, oh, well, you know, gravity is so crazy here now you can be everywhere right you know at, at once and that, that's just an amazing concept it, it's like it it's it, it it's too high of a concept for us to visualize yeah that's why i think so many of us were confused at the end of that movie when when <laughs> he's inside an infinite bookcase right you know what i mean right yeah 
and 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 I I will freely admit that I didn't get it when on my first viewing, and, and I, I'm not claiming that I totally get it now, right? But I I can at least conceptualize it. Yeah. Uh, and then we have some what what's the one called with Amy Adams, The Arrival or something? The Arrival, yeah, yeah. You know the idea of the circle and seeing all space and time at the same time. At the same time, yeah. That's kind of how I think most Christians view have to view God as as an omnipotent, all knowing being. Yeah, that they are seeing all space and time at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, quantum entanglement seems to just go right along with it does, and quantum mechanics, and it's the the funny thing about it is for me is like the science and the spirituality they just go hand in hand to me. I think they originally yeah. were meant to be hand in hand, but we started like making them separate and that one can't be true and one must be true. No thing. But if we really think about it, um, there's so much mystery out there. And and then I heard another scientist say that, you know, what's what's really interesting is like it almost seems like the Earth was created for the very right conditions for all these things to have like it was put there for everything to be just right. Again, I'm like, these are crossing into realms of spirituality and science together. I, I just think they go together. Like, and I think they both reveal something very special that both sides are not willing to let happen on some level. I think it's really important to remember that most of the big ideas, scientific ideas, at least that come from out of Europe and America, most of that science was done by Christians. Exactly. Like so Galileo, mo- I think, was a Christian, I believe. And <laughs> you know? Like, nobody knows that, by the way. Yeah. I don't even know that. But it's just like Darwin was a Christian. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just it's like, like... That's not put the, out there, though. Yeah. So, but... But we think that these ideas fly in the face of Christianity, and... and, and but... And they do in as much as you have to re if you're going to believe in god when you're faced with scientific truth you have to rethink how god did it yes yes that's the only that's the only argument there if if you if you believe in god so we don't have to sit around arguing does god exist or does he not exist why don't you just argue you know argue and when i say argue what i really mean is discuss and, and exchange ideas how it did it how he did it that one of my biggest frustrations is with people who just say you know they want to read the first chapter of the of the gospel of john and say well he just said it and it happened <laughs> i'm just like that's such yeah. pardon my language but that's such bullshit <laughs> it's like i'm sorry but it just that's that's just not how anything works. Yeah. And I don't care how omnipotent and how all-powerful a being is. You don't just say something and it happens. I yeah. mean, for one thing, for a being who's all-powerful and, 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 and completely omnipotent, their version of saying something has to be so different from ours. So, you know, they're not they're not even breathing the same air as we are. Yeah. So when we say that God speaks something into existence, 
it's a freaking metaphor. <laughs> it's a freaking metaphor. <laughs> Can you just not wrap your brain around that? The fact is that we're, we're dealing with metaphor here. Yeah. And that's John's way of saying, I actually don't know how he did it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know. I mean, if you talk to any physicist, astronomer, any worth their salt, they will tell you there's just not a lot of actual information about the beginning of anything, of time. It's, it's a theory, no. but the information is actually not there. So you're practicing big, a faith too. And this is what- The Big Bang came right? from a Christian scientist. The <laughs> idea of the Big Bang came from somebody who believed in God and was trying to figure out how God did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have all these Christians who want to say the Big Bang is, you know, a bunch of nonsense. And it's like, well, it actually might be. It's just one theory. It might be. Exactly. But must... it's somebody's theory about how God did it. <laughs> Simon, I love how you <laughs> we're just figuring out how did God do this shit? <laughs> it wasn't like a Superman breath blow. I mean, it was just like Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I I, I tell you, I mean the, the surest way to lose somebody like myself who, and I think like yourself, who, who thinks of things in a logical way, who takes ideas to their eventual conclusion as far as we can with the knowledge that we have. When you start saying stuff like that to us, you know, oh, God just spoke it into existence. You know, oh, uh, we were all just thoughts that God had that appeared, you know, yeah. and just, stuff like that that I've heard countless Christians say. I'm just like, you know, if that's what Christianity is, I'm out, man. <laughs> Simon, I mean, seriously, I'm just, <laughs> I get so frustrated with it. Well, it's the same thing as I get frustrated on the opposite end if it's like, if it's not God, okay, it's the universe. And the universe brought this to me was it like uber i mean how does that happen like did it was a door dash no, i just want to know like uber creation uber yeah, it was know, a yeah this whole manifestation thing is a big kick right now it's like ah uh, okay like so you sat in your house and you manifest the universe brought you this amazing job like you did nothing like you did literally nothing and you like i don't know like is that how it works it's like i ordered some pizza and then the universe gave me a $200,000 a year job is like, just want to know, is this, is this sentient? Is the hydrogen nitrogen is all this? Like, is that what's doing it? Like, yeah. let's get to it. Like, let's just, I don't want, I'm not trying to be me. I just want to know, like, how do you explain it? Because I can't explain the beginning of the universe. I, I believe God exists, but I definitely don't know how he did it. I really don't know the big bangs of theory, but a scientist can't tell me either that they know. <laughs> like, Come on, like you know, I, if I, I'm much more comfortable imagining a god with a with a fusion reactor <laughs> than a god who just says things and they happen. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm much more comfortable with a god who travels the universe in an interstellar space vehicle of some yeah. kind and knows how to use wormholes and things like that than somebody who's just in everything and of everything. This is like, yeah. come on guys. I mean, I mean, that's just me, you know, but, but I, 
you know, if, if you describe God to me as a scientist, then then you've you've piqued my interest. If you describe God to me as, you know, a great magician, you know, who just snaps his fingers and things happen, yeah, and and a moral lawgiver, then I'm kind of on the outs with you. Yeah. Especially the moral lawgiver part, actually. I, I got to say, I, I, I yeah, probably I have even more problem with describing God <laughs> as a moral lawgiver than I do with God snapping his fingers and things. Just <laughs> this isn't, th I don't know. It just like, it's basically the Thanos theory, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. you got the stones and, you know, yeah. you got the time stone. <laughs> you, got the, you know, <laughs> why is, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's all mythology, man. You know, it's just all like, mythology. Like, and, 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 you know, it, it, if somebody comes up to me and, say, and they say, I don't know who God is and I don't know how God did it. Um, but I really want to have a conversation about it and, and exchange ideas Then I'm just like, yes, 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 let's do it. But the moment somebody says, I know who God is and I know what he said and I know what he wants. And I'm like, really? Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it's getting late. I got to. It's getting late. I got to run. I got to run. I've been, had to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's good. I was just saying this to my boss. Like, I just think that's part of the whole thing is like, questioning i think people this is a very old school and especially in the black community very old school like oh you don't question god you don't question jesus i'm like uh, okay i think we got to turn this around it's like i actually think he wants us to question how this all happened because i think the questioning actually brings you closer to it i'm of that mind for at least for me it has brought yeah. me it is I, my spirituality i'm gonna pump myself up right now okay <laughs> like I feel the closest I've ever been to my faith and Jesus and all that in these last two years talking to you and everything than I've ever had in my entire life, in my entire life, mm. through deep, meaningful conversation about what does this mean? How does this happen? I don't know. I have no, but I feel closer in that. Yeah. And I think it's also because, like I was telling Michelle, it's like talking to someone like yourself who we are we struggle with it similarly similarly mm -hmm. and a lot of times when people are in religion they they almost claim not to struggle with it it's like very blind like this this is just how it is i'm like oh, there's just got to be some struggle with it you know there is a a celebration of blind faith um that, that goes on and, and i think most of that goes back to abraham and when he's told to to sacrifice his son Isaac. And whether you're a Jewish person who doesn't believe Jesus is, you know, the sacrificial lamb, or whether you're a Christian person who does believe that, um, they're both celebrating the fact that Abraham would just obey God. Yeah. I'm putting myself in God's shoes. I'm like, Dude, I just told you to slit your son's throat on an altar. Why aren't you giving any pushback on this? Yeah. What kind of a creep are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like, I don't care that I'm God. 
if I tell you to do something crazy like that, I expect an argument about it. Yeah. Yeah. I expect you to like say no. And I expect you to love your child. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And to Jesus's point, putting humanity before divinity. If a Christian to, I mean, in our society today, if a Christian hears of a guy who, who thought he heard God tell him to kill his own son, they say he's crazy. Right. Why don't you think Abraham was crazy? Right. <laughs> Just because <laughs> they wrote about him in a book. Right. You think he wasn't crazy. Right. The, the same does not apply according to that. You know, yeah. it's, <laughs> you know. I find that very strange. Uh, I just think, and so for me, I think the fracture for me, which actually made it better for me and got me closer was the whole discussion around uh, people being gay, lesbian, mm -hmm. that like begun, that like started, be, that be, that was the beginning of that for me throughout the years in the back. I was like, mm, I'm questioning this. Like, yeah. And I think of like, if you just you think that's wrong because you think it's this very straightforward thing, I think you just that's the blind part. It's like, eh. I was like, no, I, I no way, man. Uh, there's no way God cares as much about someone's sexuality. There's just no way. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is a people yeah. thing. I feel like this is just a, I kept saying to myself, this is a people thing. Clearly, yeah. it's a people thing. This is not a God thing. This is clearly a human people bias, not a God thing. And the moment a religious person brings up scripture to try and prove their point, they've lost the argument. They've lost. Because one of the biggest reasons is that the, these ancient peoples didn't even have a word for homosexuality. Right. They, they didn't sit around identifying gender and sexuality. That wasn't an issue no you know as far as being gay or not gay a lot of people want to want to just you know gloss over this fact but the problem with homosexuality as far as man on man wasn't that the act itself was so despicable because and we we can say this with confidence because and I don't want to get too graphic about it, but who was punished for being involved in that act? It wasn't the guy. It was the it was the guy who was the female version, right? Sure. It was the receiver, sure. not the, the giver receiver. of yeah. the sex act. Because that person had been emasculated and been basically become an effeminate man. Mm -hmm. So now that, but the guy who was giving, he's not punished. He's fine. Right. When you, when you take that into account, you're just like, oh, so it's not homosexuality that's bad. It's being emasculated and having your manhood taken from you by having someone else perform this act on you. Right. That's, that's bad. I mean, it's, it's a so human messed thing. up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's messed so up. Messed it's up. messed up. It has nothing to do with God. Nothing. And when you and when you break it down and you actually know what the culture was and you you know how they were actually um, dealing with these things, you're just like, oh, well, okay, well that doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe we shouldn't 
use that as a as a yeah. model for modern society. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh man. It's crazy, Every right? But then in one sense to say God loves everyone, no matter what. He loves all of his children. Mm. But then on the other hand, to say, well, not gay people. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Like that's so hypocritical. It's like that's a person, that's a people thing. <laughs> it's it nothing is. to do with God. You made that shit up. Totally. <laughs> it's like <laughs> It's a God thing only in as much as people have created God. Right. It's like, <laughs> seriously. I'm like, think about the level of hypocrisy on both sides of the whole thing. I'm like, come on, man, really? <laughs> I'm like, let's go. Again, it's like we were said, I think we say this every episode, but it's probably good to remember the original context of this is the most important, right? <laughs> like, love other people. Yeah, it's not a caveat to that. <laughs> love exactly. other people. Yeah, when when Jesus said, "As I have loved you, love one another," and when He said things like, um, "No greater man hath no no greater love hath man than this," then He laid down His life for for His brother. Once, just like you said, there was no caveat to There's that. No caveat there was no there was no unless they were trans. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> Unless they're Democrat. Yeah. Unless they're, <laughs> but that's know, what it is now. It's like, but yeah. you're like this. No. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no, it's the end of the sentence. The sentence, there's no addendum. There's no redaction. There's nothing. Like, remember, this is what it is. Pretty simple. And, and how does Jesus display love? By saying, neither do I condemn you. Therefore, you cannot condemn anyone, no matter how much you might disagree with them. Therefore, you cannot uh, judge them. You cannot work against them. You cannot try to stone them, even if, even in trying to pass a law against them, if that makes sense, for wanting to be the person they want to be. Now, if that person is hurting somebody else, you know, sure. you can pass a law say, "Don't kill." Yeah. <laughs> you know, but to pass a law to say you can't be who you want to be or to try and make it more difficult for that, that person to be who they want to be and identify as they want, as they want to identify there, there possibly couldn't be anything more unchristian yeah. than that. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it comes out both sides of the mouth all the time, you know, and it's just like, I just, that's why I think like the fracture is there is because you're saying one thing, but then the opposite is happening all the time. Hey, everyone, come here. Be a part of this. Unless you got yeah. this issue. I'm like, what <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man. You know, um, this is years ago uh, on The Daily Show. And they they went to one of these Democrat Democratic conventions, you know, yeah. during an election cycle. And um, they were just interviewing all the, these great people at this convention and celebrating that they're the they're the big tent party you know yeah. everybody's welcome here and then the you know the people who are there doing the interviewing they're just like uh but w what about the you know super conservative whatever you know and they're like well i mean not them you know we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a big tent except for you know <laughs> certain people who think a certain way yeah but yeah but it's for everyone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's 
so hypocritical. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's everybody's doing it. It's not it's yeah. not exclusive to Democrat, Republican, yeah. Christian, Muslim. It doesn't matter, man. Everybody's no. just wanting that everybody's saying members only. Everybody's <laughs> hanging the members only sign on the door. The everybody's jacket, everything. Yeah. They got the members only jacket, you know, it's an exclusive club. Well, not really. It's for everyone, but you know, you gotta know the secret. But but you but you gotta know the handshake, you gotta yeah, know the on. password, I mean, you know. We're I mean, just yeah. saying for everybody out front, but we don't really yeah. mean that. <laughs> Like, no, Jesus would not be happy about this. He'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, what happened in this game of phone tag we're playing? Like, you guys screwed this up big time. <laughs> like, that's when he flips over the table. <laughs> He's like, wait, wait a minute. I didn't say that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the movie Raisin in the Sun? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that such a perfectly done movie? And, and, one of the haunting things about that movie, so they get the actor who does the voice of Piglet in the Walt Disney Winnie the Pooh series. So he has this sweet little timid voice and he is just by appearance, sweet, timid looking. You wouldn't think this guy would be capable of evil acts just by looking at him and, and talking and hearing him, his voice and things. So the great, thing about casting him in the role he was cast in is he was basically the neighborhood representative who's telling this black family maybe you shouldn't move into our neighborhood i know you can afford to move in i know that you know you're buying this house fair and square just like any other person but you're black and we're white and he doesn't say that what he says is we just don't know if you'd be comfortable there in our neighborhood that is people who want to say racism doesn't exist they're they're not thinking about that type of racism right they're not thinking about the idea that oh yeah anyone can move into this neighborhood but this neighborhood doesn't want you here yeah i can go into any church but once they get a whiff of this kind of a conversation <laughs> that you and I are having, they're not going to want me there. <laughs> Did you see these two guys walk in and a hand comes up? Hey, um, <laughs> what's your stance on, on gay, lesbian? Because, you know, as soon as you do that, they'd be like, well, um, I love my gay and lesbian brothers, but they're what they're doing is wrong. Done. Stop. Yep. <laughs> like, like, no, that's your personal issue. That has nothing to do with. No, come yeah. on. You just yeah. said God loves all people. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, period. You should not yep. care about this this sexual orientation or how people practice sex. Like, unless it's like really like hurting someone like it's a crime or something <laughs> like yeah yeah i mean rape you know absolutely absolutely you know, but, but you, you know, know consensual right and say oh god <laughs> created the earth by uh so and so i'm like how do you know that like i don't know that yeah. who knows that actually <laughs> like it's like it's yeah. okay to have these questions it doesn't mean yeah. you don't believe and i i think simon that's one of the biggest i think high points if you when you listen to this podcast people are listening is that is it's okay to believe and have questions 
and explore those yeah. questions and be open to <clears throat> whatever the answers are to that. And I think often, at least I can't speak for Simon, I can speak for myself. It's often strengthened my faith in having those questions. For me personally, I, I just feel freer in that, in that sense. There's just like, yeah. it's hard to believe in something that would be like, well, gay people are bad. I'm like, really? I'm not into that. <laughs> like, that's no, I choose to be like, that's something people made like a big issue. Like people made that. It's like, exactly. It's not. No. I mean, think of Jesus being a fear monger on mm-hmm. one of these, you know, whether it's like C- C- CNBC or Fox yeah. News or something like that. Think think of Jesus going on one of these channels and being <laughs> one of these people who like fear mongers against, you know, <laughs> I mean, it would just be so out of character, you know, for Jesus, right. Jesus, the fear monger. Instead, you know, the Jesus that we get in the New Testament, well, he's kind of different in every gospel, obviously, yeah. but but generally what we get is somebody with a supreme confidence in being not on the defensive, but right. on the offensive when it comes to love, charity, meekness, kindness. I, I just revisited the Beatitudes recently, mm-hmm. um, and I was just really struck by, you know, what 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 you and I have constantly commented on about this aggressive form of Christianity. Yeah, it's the warrior Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and the way and and reading the Beatitudes again, and 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 reading Jesus say, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth, and you know, these, these types of things, you know, and the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And these kinds of things where Jesus, he just doesn't champion warriors. He oh. doesn't champion strength, especially that kind of physical type yeah. of strength. He, he champions inner strength, yes. the kind of strength that can endure hardship. And after enduring hardship, being able to, um, uh, you know, I, I guess in in the terminology of the gospels, you know, receive their reward, yeah. you know, after after enduring, um, but you don't win it through aggression. You no. don't you don't no. win it by overpowering somebody else. No, and Jesus actually, if I really thought about this. This could be an interesting idea. I don't know. I'll talk about I'll have to talk to you about this off camera, but I think it's I think you and me are particularly equipped for this type of thing. I don't know, but I imagine if you were actually interviewing Jesus. It honestly, like if you look at it in pop culture, it'd be pretty boring. Probably wouldn't be a great interview because he's not gonna give you what you want. He's not gonna give yeah. you the salaciousness. The he's, he's Jesus, what do you think about gay people? I love all, I love all people. I love yeah. all people. Beautiful. Yeah. Aren't they doing what's wrong? And then Jesus will hit him with the parable or something. <laughs> Probably go a couple <laughs> things. Yeah. yeah, like, but it would be like pretty simple. It's like a pretty simple thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, what are you guilty of? <laughs> like, it would be something like that, you know. The 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 beauty of Jesus is is. Uh is his simplicity the simplicity that's the beauty of all of his teachings profound simplicity which leaves it open to so much interpretation yeah 
but I don't think it leaves it open to the kind of interpretation that we're seeing from Christian yes. churches that, that we've seen from Christian churches for 2000 years. I just don't think any kind of every knee shall bow and every, yeah. you know, I mean, it, you know, doing that via violence, doing that via conquest, doing that, you know, via um, colonialization. Right. I, I, I just don't think there's any argument to be had for those types of things when when reading the Gospels. I just don't yeah. see that anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Simon, you know, we're, we're, we're wrapping this up. You know what time it is. You know, <laughs> I never get this. Well, I know it's not time to discuss aliens. <laughs> no, no. You know, we'll say that the next time. But you know what? I in my quest on this, and I think I I want to always try to, my best to subscribe to the very basic tenets for Jesus. You know, love God, love others, and especially in the loving others, man. This is my mission every day. I this podcast has made me distill this down very clearly. Let me love the people in my life. Let me love other people, man. I love you. You're an awesome guy. And, love you too, uh, brother. Yeah, man, you've done wonders for my life. Seriously, like the intellectual discussion, the friendship, it is uh, it's more than I could ask for, and that. So I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. Yeah, I, I as well. The the way that we've affected each other is just a beautiful thing, and I love it. Yeah, same here, man. Listen, another awesome episode. And uh, I mean, you look so polished today. I mean, I tell you what, man, you got the music, all the guitars back there. This is a guy, man. This is an important person. <laughs> okay, maybe you on the side, but I'm just you know, kind he, of a big deal. Yeah, he's kind of. Let's just you know, forget the love. Let's just be very narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Talk to you all soon. Right, man.